Turn your Bible to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I had planned to preach on another message this morning, but the Lord has laid this on my heart. And I want to give you these thoughts from John chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that it was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. This is almost funny. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he was healed, wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude in that place. Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple, and saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus, and sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that he himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. I want to call your attention to several important words and sections in the scripture. First of all, in verse 1, after this there was a great feast of the Jews. The people had come because of a feast. They were enjoying all the merriment and all the social standings of the day. And they were there having a big, big time, not even concerned about those important folks that were over there by the pool. They were in their merriment having a great time, which reminds me of so many of our people today. We're so busy in all the various attractions, in the ball games, in the entertainments, in the economy, in the business, in the political arena, in all the things that are going on. We have so much on our mind concerned about the possible war in Iraq and all the terrorists and all the things that are going on around us. We have little time to think about all the important folks that have nobody that cares. And then the scripture talks about a legend. Look in verse 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. Look down to verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. Now a lot of people take that because it's in the scripture <clears throat> that that was a true thing. That somehow at this pool an angel would come down every once in a while and trouble the water and everybody who would leap in there first would get well. Where do you find an illustration in the Old Testament or the scripture anywhere that tells about an angel coming down and troubling water and if you can get in that water first you'll get healed. That was a legend. That was a fairy story. There was nothing to that. And you'll notice in a little while Jesus completely ignored that. He said nothing about it at all. He didn't want to raise a rabble over that. His point was <clears throat> this thing is a side issue. There are many people today who teach there are a lot of different roads to heaven. There's the baptism road. There's the church membership road. There's the do better road. That's do, there, uh, do the best you can road. All of these various roads and they're all legends. They're all fairy stories. Not one of them is successful in getting anybody from earth to heaven. They're just like that pool at Bethesda. And people thought they were real. There are folks all over the world today that think there are a lot of ways to heaven. We're living in an age when you must be tolerant, we're told. There are various religions and various gods in those religions. And one god is about as good as another. And one religion is about as good as another. And they're probably right. One religion is about as good as another. 
But there is a way that seemeth right unto man, the end thereof is the way of death. And all these religions are ways to death. Baptism has never gotten anybody to heaven. Communion has never gotten anybody to heaven. Turning over a new leaf has never gotten anybody to heaven. All of these various legends and fairy stories and do-better ideas and think better and you'll feel better ideas and my name's Jimmy and I'll take all your gimme or name it and claim it. All of that is folly. There's not anything in the scripture that supports that kind of legend. But the people in Jerusalem thought it was true. All those important folks were ignorant. Now I'm not being critical. I'm just saying the word ignorant in the New Testament means misinformed or without understanding. They didn't understand. Paul said one day, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. He was not insulting people. He was just saying, I wouldn't have you to be uninformed. These folks were all uninformed. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people today who are uninformed. They do not know how to get to heaven. They look on their right hand and on their left and refuge fails them and they cry out, nobody really cares. And that's the way it was with that impotent man. Not only do we see the feast and the legend, but I want you to notice in verse 3, a great multitude, a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. How do you describe people that are outside of Christ? They're blind. They're spiritually blind. There was a time when I was spiritually blind. Same with everyone in this room. You do not become a Christian by growing into it. There has to be an epiphany. There has to be an awakening, a realization one day that you were blind and now you can see. You were lost and now you're found. And all this multitude, and you visualize the multitude in our nation. You visualize the multitude in our world. You visualize the multitude in Bowling Green. You visualize the multitude all around us who really think one day I'll feel like coming to Christ and it'll be all right. I don't know how many people I've talked to in the years gone by about their faith in Christ. And I said, well, I just don't feel like it today. I'm not ready. I don't feel like it. They're waiting for some kind of a feeling. You may be here today waiting for some kind of a feeling. Some kind of a quiver in your liver. Some kind of something inside that says, this is a day. Well, it may come or it may not come. With me, it came with heavy conviction. I knew I needed something I didn't have. And I believe that happens to many, many people. But here are all these multitudes. And folks, there are people all around us who are lost who do not know what to do, where to turn. And sometimes when we approach them, they seem to resent us. I told our Sunday school class this morning about a lady that lived near our church years ago. And someone found her in a census. They were taking a census in the area. And I got the name and I went by to see her, knocked on the door, and she slammed the door in my face. I told her I was from the Glendale Church. She slammed the door in my face. 
So I went on. A few weeks later, I went back, knocked on the door. She opened the door, cracked, said, I told you not to come back. She said, I'm not halfway interested. I don't care anything about your church, and I'm not coming. Don't come back. Now, what do you do with that? The human thing is, well, I'm not going back there. Boy, I'd write that off my book. I'm not going back there. But God put it on my heart. Amen. Several weeks went by, and I went back again. I knocked on that door, and she opened the door, and she looked at me, and she said, you're, you're pretty persistent, aren't you? You can come in, but I don't want to talk to you. I went and sat down. She didn't talk to me. I talked to her. I told her all I knew about how to be saved. She finally said, I'm not interested. You can leave now. I left. I went back several other times just to invite her. I don't know why I did that. Only in heaven will I find out. Amen. One day, I saw that lady come in church, sat in the back. I was, I was shocked. I didn't think she'd ever come. She came several times, and one Sunday... She walked down this aisle, gave her heart to Christ. She said, I didn't know what I needed. I needed Jesus. I want to tell you, there are people everywhere who need Jesus. They're looking on their right hand and on their left, and refuge fails them, and they think nobody cares. And one of the reasons they think nobody cares is because when we go and they're not very kind to us, we don't go back. All this multitude of impotent folks, blind, crippled, lame. And that describes people outside of Christ. Amen. Those who are lost, blind, crippled, lame, trying to pull themselves up to heaven by their own bootstraps and they'll never make it. They're lost. But there's something else in this scripture. Look at verse 5. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. He had, he had lain by that pool for thirty-eight years. And <clears throat> when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been there a long time in that case, he said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? In other words, he said, Why are you just lying here like this? Why, the man said, to, Sir, the angel comes down, and when he troubles the water, everybody beats me to the water, and I can't get in there, and there's nobody to help me. Doesn't that, doesn't that pull at your heartstrings? Nobody to help me. There are boys and girls, men and women all over the city who have nobody that helps them, nobody that cares. Oh, we have Red Cross, and we have Hotel Inc., and we have Goodwill, and we have the Salvation Army, and we have the Benevolent Fund, and over and over and over again, people are calling, wanting financial help and wanting food and wanting this and that and the other. And I, my heart's open to that. I wish our church had a huge, huge benevolent fund that we could help the people. But you know, I've noticed in the scripture that Jesus helped the people that let him minister to them. I don't know that he ever just doled out stuff. They went on. He tried to help them spiritually. Peter and John said one day to that man at the temple, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. 
And what he received was worth so much more than the silver and gold that could have been put in his coffers. And all of these folks have needs. And Jesus saw that certain man, a certain man. I don't know why Jesus singled out that certain man. But one day you were that certain man or woman. One day Jesus passed by you and he spoke to your heart. Have you ever wondered in the seminary extension the other night, we were talking about why some are saved and some are not saved. And I had to say to them, I have no, no claims as to why I should have been saved and somebody else not. I don't have more faith than somebody else. God gave me the faith to trust Christ. It was a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. You and I have been saved by the grace of God for a purpose. I do not understand why two or three people can be sitting on a church bench. Some will hear the word and receive and get up and come to Christ. And somebody else's heart is hardened and they say, no, not today, not now, some other time. I don't understand enough. I don't understand that. But I know that God's Holy Spirit plummets the depths of the heart. He finds that certain man, that certain one, that certain person. And you may be that certain person today that God is dealing with. He wants to deal with your heart and draw you and do a miracle in your life. Amen. And the man said, I don't have anybody, Lord cares. I don't have anybody that cares. There are all folks around us that wonder if anybody really cares. Do we care? We can take care of some of their needs. I admire our bus pastors that go week after week after week across the city and knock on doors and urge people to come and a lot of parents don't care. They say to little Johnny or Mary, you want to go to church, son? You can go if you want to. Don't make any difference to me. Johnny and Mary sleep in because they don't have parents that care. But thank God they have some persistent bus pastors that go back again. And every once in a while, the bus pastors say, we're going to have a hamburger Sunday. We're going to go to McDonald's Sunday. We're going to have something special. We're going to have a little clown on the bus. We want you to see it. And that gets their attention. And they come just to that hamburger. I think of Angel Martinez who preached here many times in years gone by. He's in heaven now. And Angel told about being a little Mexican boy down to San Antonio. And uh, uh, he was a Catholic boy. And the little Baptist mission had a revival meeting and they offered, they told all the boys and girls, you're going to get ice cream if you'll come to the revival meeting. And Angel testifies to this day, I went to get ice cream. That's the only reason, only reason. I wasn't a bit interested in what they were doing. But he said, I got my ice cream and I heard about Jesus. And he said, Jesus touched my heart. That day, that certain man was Angel Martinez. And God changed him. And he went out to win thousands to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, somebody's that certain one that needs the touch of God, that needs the hand of God upon them. And Jesus said to that impotent man, Will you be whole? Will you be made well? 
Well, the man said, I don't have anybody. Jesus ignored all that legend. He didn't say, you don't get saved by being baptized. You don't get saved by taking communion. You don't get saved by church service membership. You don't get saved by this and that and the other. Jesus ignored all those legends. And he went right to the heart. And he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now, many times Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. He didn't use those words here, but that was behind what he was saying. He said to that important man who had waited 38 years for somebody to put him in the pool, he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And the man heard the voice of Jesus and God gave him strength inside and he got up and came to Jesus. And he was well, healed just like that. That can happen to you. That can happen to somebody you care about, somebody, some loved one that you care about, somebody whose name you put on a paper a while ago. That can happen to them through prayer, through our expressing care and concern. That man, I, I've, I've wondered about him. We don't know his name. Don't know anything about him. All we know is that he heard Jesus and he believed. And he was changed. You think of the people that hear and believe and get changed. And God begins to use them. There was another man that Jesus healed and he wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you go home and tell your friends how great things God had done for you. That's what God wants us to do. Well, in this case, he got, got up and walked around. He was well and strong. And the Jews came to him and said, how come you're able to carry your bed on the Sabbath day? This is the Sabbath day. Didn't you know that's against the Jewish law to carry a bed on the Sabbath day? <laughs> you imagine picking over a little old tiny thing like that. That's almost funny. And when I, sometimes when I read it, I laugh. I think that's so funny. These, these crazy Jews, here's this man that had been lame for 38 years, couldn't walk, didn't have anybody that cared enough about him, and he's up carrying his bed. Well, you character, you're walking on the Sabbath day carrying a bed. Don't you know better than that? They ignored the fact that he was healed. They ignored the fact that he was well, that he was strong. They said, who did that to you? And they tracked it down and found out it was Jesus. You know what they wanted to do to him? It reminds me of the story of the hogs. Jesus went to the demoniac garden. There was a man out of his mind, crazy, cutting himself, naked. And Jesus cast the demons out, and he was well. And when the demons came out, he cast them into the swine. And the swine ran down the hill and drowned in the Sea of Gennesaret. And the people who owned those swine came out and asked Jesus to leave. Our swine are more important than this guy that you healed. That may be the reaction some will give. You know, our, in our church sometimes, we, we need to be very, very careful about our attitude. We may think that reaching somebody that has a lot of money is more important than reaching some poor guy that has nothing. God forbid. Listen, this is God's church. God's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of the finances. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret and toss. Look at the lilies. They don't fret and toss. 
Jesus said, are you not much more valuable than they? So we don't need to worry about it all. We need to have plans. We need to be wise. We don't need to be careless and, and so on. But we need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Well, they wanted to kill Jesus. That's what it says. They, wanted to, they plotted to kill him. But that called for one of the greatest words from the mouth of Jesus that was ever spoken. Look in verse 22. Uh, for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Now, the reason he said that is because those Jews believed they knew the Father. They got very upset because Jesus called himself the Son of the Father, putting himself on an equal with the Father. They knew Abraham. They knew Isaac and Jacob. They knew all the oracles of the law. They knew the Father. And Jesus says now, the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. Hmm. That raised some eyebrows. That all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. And Jesus said that to those very people who wanted to kill him. Now, friends, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with it? First of all, are we like the Jews who wonder, why do you care so much about all these impotent folks? All the lost. Why do you care? Do we understand that there's only one way to heaven, not two or three ways? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And friend, if you're here today and you're trying to get to heaven some other way, it's all vain. It's all vain. But if you'll come the blood-sprinkled way, the way of the cross, you'll be saved. How much do we care about others? Do we care enough to say, Lord, use me. Use me. I want revival in my heart. I want the concern for lost people that God wants to give me. Use me, Lord. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We pray that the Spirit of God will speak to all of our hearts. That this could be a day of victory. That you would cleanse from sin and put on our hearts a concern and care about others. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. I have a Savior. He's pleading in glory. What page is that? 158. A dear loving Savior, though earth friends be few. I want to tell you, we have a Savior that loves and cares. He cares about you. He wants to be your Savior. But you have to let him in.